sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. The first Friday in the month of March. Welcome to a Friday Live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. As I said, the first Friday in March, which means what? The regular season finale weekend in college basketball in conference tournaments continue to churn on around the country at the mid major level updates all weekend long to set that weekend stage for you in college hoops also the stretch run in the nba a short slate on a thursday night but impactful games for conference standings as that stretch run is underway and postseason positioning is front and center around the association we'll hit on huge off-season storylines from around the national football league as combine week rolls on in indianapolis in major league baseball spring training has started world baseball classic begins next week and the major league baseball regular season is just a few short weeks away all of that and more over these next two hours live right here on a friday on the morning after on sports grid we bring you up until 11 a.m eastern time we start around the association a marquee matchup last night in texas as the dallas mavericks were hosting the philadelphia 76ers dallas closed as a three-point home favorite the line moving slightly after philadelphia on the second leg of a road back-to-back ruled in joel and b so the stars the duos in dallas last night we're on full display for Philly, Joel Embiid and James Harden for the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. And that new backcourt for the Mavericks had struggled since they joined forces. Just one in four together entering last night for Luka and Kyrie. But those four losses by a combined 13 points. Last night, the tables turned as Dallas gets a huge road win over the Philadelphia 76ers. The final score, 133 126 Dallas covering as a three-point home favorite it was only the 16th time all season that Philadelphia had been booked as an underdog they had won eight of their previous nine covers outright not last night though against the Mavericks and as I mentioned the focus on those pairings Joel Embiid and James Harden for the Sixers certainly Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving for the Mavericks both Showed out last night. Luka Doncic, 42 points. Well over even a lofty points prop of 32 in a hook. Kyrie adds in 40 as well. 240 pieces for the Mavs' new backcourt. Joel Embiid over his points prop of 33 and a half, finishing with 35. And James Harden, a double-double, 27 points, 13 dimes. Luka also a double-double, adding in 12 assists a huge win for the Dallas Mavericks as you look at the Western Conference standings and as we're about to detail up next here in a California clash up north in San Francisco as the Golden State Warriors hosting the LA Clippers now the Clips are at full strength both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George out there last night for Los Angeles still no Stephen Curry for Golden State but 
It's the Warriors that get their fourth consecutive victory, handing the Clippers their fourth straight loss in all four matchups since the All-Star break. 115 last night for Golden State, only 91 for the Clippers, as the Dubs went outright at home as a short two-and-a-half-point, three-point underdog so the Clippers have lost four straight since the all-star break the Dubs lost their first game following the all-star break but now have rattled off four consecutive victories a welcome to our sports grid radio audience here the opening hour of a Friday live on the morning after on sports grid Sirius XM channel 159 all of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well I am Ben Stevens around the association first and then on this first Friday of March, we will break down a lot of college basketball for you over these next two hours. So, a huge win for the Warriors last night. Jordan Poole goes over the 30-point mark. Clay Thompson, a double-double, 19 points, 11 boards. Draymond Green, almost a triple-double, falling just one assist and one rebound shy as the Warriors get a 24-point victory outright as a three-point home underdog against the Clippers. Four straight wins now. For the Dubs, with Stephen Curry this year, Golden State is two games above 500. But even without the services of the chef, still a game above 500. And the reevaluation of Stephen Curry's injury to the lower portion of his body has gone well. He is expected to return this weekend against the Lakers, if not this weekend, at least early next week for that playoff push. So as we look at the jumbled Western Conference and those conference odds live on the FanDuel Sportsbook on this Friday morning, the Warriors' price to win the West shortens by a dollar. They were in that log jam, tied for the fourth-best odds alongside Dallas and Memphis at 8-1 to one yesterday, now plus 700. That postseason pedigree certainly there for Golden State. The Suns remain the favorites ahead of the Nuggets, who still have a five-game advantage for that top spot in the Western Conference. Neither of these two teams we're about to discuss next are probably going to even make a play-in tournament in their respective conference. You certainly will not see them near the top of any conference standings, and they will have long odds in the East and in the West. But the San Antonio Spurs, in a game that somebody had to win, pull off the home victory last night, booked as a 7.5-point home underdog. They win outright. 110-99. The Spurs have been a dog in 60 of 63 games. They had lost 16 straight prior to now winning two in a row, first against Utah and against the Pacers last night. It's college basketball time. A focus on conference tournaments up next. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com hearing murmurs around the country that it is march in fact It is the first Friday in the month of March, which means on the docket this weekend, conference tournament action around the country, including conference tournament championships on the line, regular season titles on the line as well, in the regular season finale weekend of the high major level in college basketball. Welcome back to a Friday Live right here on the morning after. I am Ben Stevens, now pleased to welcome on our guy. Mike Blewett, 
live right here on not a football Friday, but a college basketball Friday with some offseason football headlines mixed in as well. Mike Blewett will be on the road over the next week and a half or so, checking out various conference tourneys around the country. So we dive into that expertise here on this Friday on the morning after. Blue, thank you as always for joining us and a happy early birthday to you and our producer, John James, both sharing the same birthday, Sunday, March 5th. So many congratulations, my friend. Thank you very much. Birthday buddies uh, are James and I, and I would say that our March Madness journey, I know, Ben, not everybody joins us, but our March Madness journey starts in February. Mine started already. I will be seeing uh, over 20 games in five states over the course of the next month, and I could not be more fired up about it. I know a lot of people uh, get to see my shows on Sundays regarding football, but college basketball is certainly one of my loves, and I'll be diving in on as many tournaments as I can. I'll be in South Dakota Las Vegas, and uh, likely Houston for the Final Four. So excited to get through some of this stuff. Blue, I absolutely love it. You know one of my loves in this world is the Big Ten Conference. And the Big Ten Tournament next week in Chicago is going to be absolutely bonkers. Because right now, entering the final weekend of play in the league, there is a six-way tie at 11-8 and eight overall in Big Ten play for second place as we try to figure out seating for that Big Ten tourney. One thing we know, Mike Blewett, the Purdue Boilermakers are the outright regular season champions in the Big Ten Conference. They got a win, a narrow win, on the road last night in Madison at the Kohl Center against Wisconsin. They did not cover as a a four-and-a-half-point favorite, but they win by two, Blue, in a game that the largest lead last night between the Badgers and the Boilers was six points in favor of Purdue. So Mike Blewett, as you get ready for conference tournament action and knowing what I just laid out about the Big Ten standings, what do you think that sets up us or us up for, excuse me, in Chicago next week as we really dive into all the madness in March? Well, I think the first thing I would say is related to you in the Big Ten. I think the only disappointing part about the fact that there's going to be a six-way tie for second place is that and not a 14-way tie for first place. I think that would be really more your (laughs) sweet spot. But uh, as we talk about last night's game, I I think it's just more proof. And I I credit John Rothstein for saying this when people say, can you believe what happened at Purdue on the road? Yes. When you go on the road in conference, it's going to be a crapshoot. Those games are very difficult to win. It doesn't matter if you're Purdue or Kennesaw State or whoever we may talk about for the rest of this segment. Those games are very difficult to win. Purdue shot terribly, obviously, from outside the arc and Wisconsin missed shots late. It's a really difficult loss for Wisconsin because Ben, I think we both realize that they are firmly on the bubble right now. Yeah. And that one probably would have taken them off. I think they would not have had to sweat it too much regarding some sort of blowout in the first round of a big 10 tournament. But I think this tournament has an opportunity to see madness ensue. The big 10 tournament does often see a lot of upsets and while Purdue has clearly been the cream of the crop they haven't left everybody in the dust they've just been more consistent they obviously have a big man that is extremely difficult to defend he's player of the year and Mm -hmm. we'll see how they can fare in Chicago but I absolutely expect all of these teams to knock each other off I don't think you're going to see the higher seeds advance uh, regularly that 7-4 big man by the name of Zach Eady, 17 points, 19 boards last night against the Badgers. You're right, Blue. 
Wisconsin very much on that NCAA tournament bubble last night at home would have been a quad one win for the Badgers had they pulled it off over the Boilermakers. They finished with Minnesota. The Gophers, a buzzer beater, Jamison battle against Rutgers last night inside the barn in the Twin Cities. Minnesota was down 10 points. With a minute and 15 seconds left in regulation. We had double overtime in Champaign between Illinois and Michigan. Two teams, certainly Michigan, fighting for their NCAA tournament lives. What will happen next week in Chicago will have dramatic impacts on the NCAA tournament field of 68 as it pertains to the Big Ten bids. And the reason a four- or six-way tie, rather, four-second place, Blewett, is really, really interesting entering this final weekend. We're trying to figure out the double buys in the conference. The top four teams in the regular season conference standings earn a double buy in Chicago next week for that league tournament. Blewett, we are on to the finals of a conference tournament in the A-Sun. And it's the two top teams that have been there all year long. Kennesaw State, the number one seed in the conference tournament bracket, will take on the number two seed, Liberty. Both teams, 15-3 and three in regular season action, but it was Kennesaw State blew it just about two weeks ago with a seven-point victory against the Flames that gave them that top seed. The conference tournament final in the A-Sun blew it is on Sunday afternoon. What do you expect in the madness in the A-Sun? Well, I think what what you like to see about this and what's always interesting to me is how March Madness sometimes gets only applied to the mm. NCAA tournament. And I think right. you and I and many others watching the show realize that March Madness starts way before that. We've had wild games, including last night, which you're, we were just discussing, and last weekend and the previous weekend where teams are really fighting, as you said, for the NCAA tournament lives. We see upsets. We see crazy buzzer beaters. We saw that uh, regularly last weekend. But when it comes to the conference tournaments, as much as I do like to see upsets, I'm glad when teams that have been good during the regular season are able to advance at least to their league championship. And in this instance, Liberty and Kennesaw that battled it out all year and tied for first place get the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament. I, I sometimes I feel disappointed for those teams when there's a major upset and a, and a six seed and a, a mid-major yep. advances to the tournament as opposed to these teams that play well all year getting there. Their, their resumes are nearly identical, but Liberty is the better defensive basketball team, Ben. So mm. despite them taking the L a couple of weeks ago, I'd expect them to squeak one out. But this is going to be in the balance for the majority of the game. I just like to go with the better defensive basketball team in this spot and try to limit Kennesaw from putting up points. No numbers out yet for this game, but Kenneth Pomeroy does predict a Liberty four-point victory, 72-68. The spreads often look a lot like Ken Palm's predictions for various matchups. Blue it at the mid-major level, you're spot on. The team that has been best in the conference all year long needs to often win their conference tournament because it's a one-bid lead yeah. league at these mid-major levels. Blue, that's the case for the first conference tournament stop you will see in South Dakota as Oral Roberts had a perfect 18-0 Summit League season. As you can see, a heavy odds on favorite to win the conference tournament. But Blue, it there's really no margin for error. As you get ready for the Summit League tourney, what makes Oral Roberts so good? 
Max Aismis is a top 10 scorer in the, in the country. I believe he's number six right now. I think everybody's familiar with his success in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago as Oral Roberts nearly bumped off Arkansas to get to the Elite Eight, but they were a, a yeah. Sweet 16 team. Uh, he continues to dominate in conference. It's the second year in a row which we see an undefeated regular season team atop the Summit League. Last year it was South Dakota State. This year it's Oral Roberts. I expect Oral Roberts to advance at least to the championship game and South Dakota State to be the one to match up with them as they get into the final. So a lot of points coming from Max Aismas is what's put them in this position. The first two games in the Summit League tourney underway today. Denver and North Dakota. North Dakota in one of those matchups. A one and a half point favorite. The winner will advance to take on Oral Roberts. More from the offseason in the National Football League up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the Morning App. Live right here on a off-season football Friday on SportsGrid, Sirius XM Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens. Mike Blewett here for a second consecutive segment. Mike Blewett is a jack of all trades. He can do anything you ask of him. He will be traveling all around this glorious nation to take in conference tournaments for the next week and weeks beyond as well. But he is also one of the best football minds here on the Spiz Grizz Network. And Blewett, frankly, there is a ton to break down in off-season storylines because as we look at Combine Week in Indianapolis, Blewett, we see some players working out. We saw some incredible 40-yard dash times yesterday. Nolan Smith out of Georgia, the outside linebacker running a 4 4 4 40 things that leave our jaws on the floor but it's not just the draft prospects blew it in indianapolis it's the front office executives it's the brass it's head coaches speaking to the media for the first time since the end of the season that gives us a small window into how this offseason might play out so blue let's start with the new york giants who have a huge question to answer around their quarterback position entering 2022 They did not pick up the fifth-year option of the rookie contract for Daniel Jones, which makes him a free agent this offseason. Blue, there's been various reports about what Daniel Jones might be asking in terms of monetary value from the Giants, and maybe he and New York are a little bit far off in terms of what they see with the dollar sign next to that number. So Mike Blewett, as progress has happened in those conversations between Daniel Jones and his representation and the Giants front office, I ask you this. How much do you think Danny Dimes is worth? It's a good question because what I think people have to keep in mind regarding these offers is we have a salary cap that is escalating at an extremely rapid rate a $20 million plus bump just from 2022 to 2023. And next year, it'll bump again. Will it be 20 million? I don't know if it'll be that high, but it's going to be significant. So you're going to have in a two year span, let's just call it minimum of a $30 million jump in the salary cap. So when people start to hear numbers like, you can't pay Daniel Jones $35 million a year. Well, when you start to use it as a percentage of the salary cap, 
relative to other quarterbacks, maybe you actually can. I'm not suggesting he's absolutely worth that. And I think you have to limit the amount of guaranteed money you have. But you're also only as good as your options. So if the Giants are going to let Daniel Jones out into free agency, then they have to figure out a way to get Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody else in here because the team is obviously fairly talented. Do I think the Giants are at the level that they played to this year? No. I think they do need more talent across the roster, but they obviously have a coach mm-hmm. that really knows what he's doing and can utilize the quarterback to win games. There's also the added component of Saquon Barkley in all of this and how the offense will run. So I do think he's a starting quarterback. I think he's really good for this giant system because as we saw this past year, he is able to utilize his underrated athleticism in order to help them win games. But we still have a situation where he's not throwing for a lot of touchdowns. He has a tendency to turn the ball over, although that was cleaned up last year. So Correct. I, I don't mean to evade the question, but I think it's difficult to say what the Giants would do if they just put up their hands and let Daniel Jones walk. Then it's back to the drawing board, and maybe they're looking at drafting somebody, which is not a spot we expected them to be in just a few weeks ago. Blue value is a funny thing, right? As we see those prices get inflated around the National Football League, $45 million for Daniel Jones might sound like way... Too much money. But Kyler Murray's off-season extension last year at the end of his rookie deal, five years, $230.5 million. It's all about where the market is going and what you feel you can ask for and might be worth paying. It's an interesting catch-22, right, Blue? Because Brian Dayball and Joe Shane enter their second year and their second offseason together. Joe Shane, the general manager that came over from Buffalo, of course, Brian Dayball and him are very familiar in their times working together. I am sure, Blue, they are having conversations like we are now, saying, hey, Brian, is Daniel Jones really your guy? Or are you such an offensive mastermind along the uh, along with Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, that we got the best out of Daniel Jones, but this offense could really open up if we had a different starting quarterback? Those are the yeah. conversations the Giants are having, and it's probably one blue they're having around the running back spot as well. Daniel Jones was drafted sixth overall in the 2019 NFL draft. Saquon Barkley was drafted number two overall in the 2018 NFL draft. He is a free agent this offseason as well. But as reports from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network State, Mike Blewett, the Giants are most likely to franchise tag Saquon Barkley ahead of Tuesday's deadline to franchise tag a player in the National Football League if a long-term extension cannot be reached. So, Blewett, what do you think the plan will ultimately be this offseason for Joe Shane, for Brian Dayball, and the New York Giants? I think that's going to happen. I think they tag Saquon Barkley, get it in at a reasonable number. I think the tag is 10.8, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I think it's in that range for running backs, and I I think they can survive that hit. And again, going back to Jones, if he gets paid $35 million a year, and I know the numbers have inflated in in terms of reports being leaked to $45 million, but $35 million on $225 million cap is 15%. That's actually a very reasonable number for a quarterback. Uh, we're seeing Patrick Mahomes' number for the first time is inflating to over 20% of the cap for the Chiefs in 2023. Obviously, he's Patrick Mahomes, so you pay whatever you need to in order to keep him there. Yeah. But uh, these things do start to have an impact on the rest of the roster and how you can fill it out. Uh, 
I do, I do think for the Giants that both guys will remain. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not dismissing the fact that this Daniel Jones negotiation is difficult. I think it's difficult for both sides. How much do you press on the Giants if you're Daniel Jones? A year ago, they didn't even want to give him the fifth-year option, and now they're talking long-term extension. It's been a whirlwind for him, but I do suspect that both players will be there, and I think Saquon Barkley will ultimately dis- be disappointed that he doesn't get a long-term deal that he likes. And that might be what the Giants have to face moving forward. The front office, the brass for New York, dealing with a ton this offseason, but they are probably not envious of the situation in Baltimore. Again, in Indianapolis, you get to hear from GMs around the league, and Baltimore's Eric DaCosta was speaking earlier this week, Blewett, and he was asked about wide receiver issues for Baltimore, not providing the necessary tools and resources for Lamar Jackson when his rookie deal was still a thing because Lamar is now asking for a long-term contract extension, and that has been the focus. Well, until Rashad Bateman chimed in yesterday because Eric DaCosta shared that he has not drafted all that well in terms of the wide receiver spot in the last few years. Rashad Bateman quote tweeted that with this, how about you play to your player's strength and stop pointing the finger at us and number eight. Of course, number eight is Lamar Jackson. Blame the one you let do this. We take heat 24-7. Blewett, what is your reaction to a player on social media quote tweeting and directly calling out the organization's general manager? I think Eric DaCosta had a bad moment at that press conference. I don't know that he meant it, but you have to take him at his word for what he said. But it was absolutely a shot at the quality of his own roster that he built. So you could talk about how we probably should have done better, but people are going to call you out for that. We've been saying people like us have been talking about it for three years, three years. And you're signing Sammy Watkins and older wide receivers that have lost a step in order to try to backfill this and, trading Marquise Brown because you didn't think he was worth the relative amount of money that you're going to have to pay him, even though he still would have been the Ravens best weapon on the field if he had been not on the Cardinals and stayed with the Ravens. So I, I think it's awkward that Bateman did something like that, but uh, he obviously reached a breaking point. He doesn't want to see his GM continue to call him out. He's a first round draft pick in the, and the GM is saying that he doesn't have good enough wide receivers. Well, whose fault is that? Rashad Bateman has been very injured in his two-year stint in the National Football League, but I believe in the talent of the former wide receiver from Minnesota. Blue, when you look at Baltimore entering this offseason, the Ravens have the tied for the fourth-best price to win the AFC Championship at 11-1 to alongside the Chargers, but the price to win the Super Bowl is 16-1. to It's $4 ahead of L.A. It's the seventh-best number, Blewett, to hoist the Lombardi Trophy as the champions in Super Bowl 58. Obviously, the biggest question mark is not the wide receivers. It is Lamar Jackson. So, Blue, what do you think the outlook is for the Ravens entering 2023? I think it makes sense on the Super Bowl price relative to the Chargers because the Chargers can't get out of their own way. They don't really know how to win games in the fourth quarter, and I, there's no reason for anybody to have faith in that team until they start to do so. I think that's all. This these prices are all reflective of how people still believe in Lamar Jackson, how the gambling community and betters believe in Lamar Jackson as a superb talent, a former MVP, obviously, 
his inability to finish the last couple of seasons is alarming, but I, I ultimately don't think the Ravens roster is as good as other people do. I, I, I thought the mm-hmm. Bengals were the team in that division for the entire year. And I think they remain so as we weave through this off season. So it's faith in Lamar, but I still think they're a step behind a few of the other elite teams in the FC. Blue, throughout this offseason, it's not just about acquisitions. It's also about cuts and releases. And according to reports, the Dallas Cowboys might be moving on from Ezekiel Elliott. Mike Blewett is moving on. He's going all around the country to South Dakota first for the Summit League Tournament. Blewett safe travels. More of the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We set the stage for the final weekend of the regular season at the high major level in men's college basketball. In conference tournaments, continue to churn on around the country as well it is the first friday in march and we welcome you back to a friday live right here on the morning after on sports grid i am ben stevens now very pleased to welcome on a wonderful college basketball mind his name is ryan hammer he makes his return here to the morning after on this first friday in march ryan delves and anything when it comes to college basketball forecasting the nba draft a little bracketology as well power rankings throughout the year so entering this final weekend of the regular season ryan at that high major level we need your expertise and we are very glad to have you on this friday on the morning after hey man i appreciate you having me on it's you're right i do a lot but this is an exciting time and for us this is the best time of the year this is it so 100%. The best time in the sports calendar, in my estimation, in March in the first two days of this month has already lived up to that hype and the billing. The number one team in the country, Ryan Hammer, to end out this regular season, the Houston Cougars, trying to get to Houston, where the Final Four will be in the NCAA tournament this season. They are rounding out regular season play in the American. They have dominated the American, as has been the expectation, because a 17-point win last night, Ryan Hammer, against Wichita State is exactly what the Cougs continue to do. They have been booked as a double-digit favorite in all but two of their AAC games, and last night as a 16-and-a-half-point home favorite, Kelvin Sampson and the Houston Cougars get the cover as well. Ryan, as you evaluate Houston, what works so well for this number one team in the country? There's the system that they have is is ridiculous and it causes so much pain for opponents. And you can see it like last night at Wichita State. I think they turned the ball over 10 times. They forced 20 turnovers out of Wichita State, and that's what they do. They have guys that are bought in defensively, one through five, and then six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you name it. That's that's the Kelvin Sampson away. And they have the guards that can have the offensive power that can take them really far. Uh, they can beat you in any way. They can play at any pace. And they can kind of adapt to situations against whoever they're playing, I think, is so so these levels to them. They have tons of experience. They have added young talent. Like, they have little, they have everything that you need out of a national title team. I do think they're getting the Gonzaga treatment because Gonzaga is not top one or two. Uh, they play in the AAC like Gonzaga's in the WCC, so they're not power, power conferences. Uh, so people will hate on Houston's strength of schedule this year because they're at the top, but they're they're so good. This is what we expected from the beginning of the year, and they're they're unbelievable. So 
Houston right now is a 28-2 basketball team. Their only loss in the non-conference portion of their slate was against the number two team in the country, Alabama, and a rather inexplicable loss to Temple. But hey, everybody has a certain mix-up throughout the regular season. So Ryan, they are a heavy odds-on favorite to win the AAC tournament at minus 320. They are 16-1 in conference so far in the regular season. They are now even money to get back to H-Town their hometown, for a Final Four appearance, and they are the favorites to win a national championship in early April, cutting down the nets on Monday night, April 1st, at 6-1. to one. Ryan, how confident are you that the outlook for the Houston ends in a Final Four appearance back in their hometown? Uh, there's always, there's that, there's that hometown effect to it, right? Where, like, I want, a lot of people want it to happen. I definitely want it to. It'd be awesome. Um, I'm not super confident just because, of how of the parity in college basketball this year and how many good teams there have been and how many how much mix up there have been um i do think that they played alabama they have played good teams throughout the year which helps my conference a little bit and they even could have won that game against alabama for sure um but if i had to pick a team like blindly to just like life or death who's going to get the final four like it'd probably be houston uh it depends on their region obviously of course um yeah. but i they'd be one of the top two or three teams that i put money on so Ryan, from your bracketology perspective, do you think Houston at the end of this regular season has locked up at least that number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament? I don't think they've locked it up because if Alabama wins out and wins the SEC tournament, I think Alabama will get it because of that strength of record. And the head-to-head games usually don't come into play unless the teams are right next to each other. But they are going to be right next to each other, one and two most likely. Uh, So I think they've definitely locked up a one seed in general. The overall one, it's going to be between Alabama and Houston unless they both fall off and then Kansas jumps in. But realistically, it'll probably be Alabama, then Houston, in my opinion. And that will be how the bracket plays out. Your seed line important, the matchups important, all of that on your path, hopefully to a Final Four, a small correction. The national championship game is Monday, April 3rd, 2023 in Houston, Texas. Ryan, around the Big Ten Conference right now, the number two is incredibly important. There is a six-way tie for second place in the Big Ten Entering the final weekend of regular season action after double overtime, that's two OTs, last night in Champaign as Illinois holds on for a victory against Michigan. So, as it stands right now, Ryan Hammer, trying to figure out what the seeding is going to look like for next week's Big Ten tournament in Chicago is an exercise we literally need a rocket scientist for. (laughs) How do you think things will play out in the Big Ten conference over this final weekend? Oh, I, I like you. Said, I have no, I have no idea. It's there's what there's like six teams that are eleven and eight right now heading into the last game day in the Big Ten play. Obviously, Purdue is going to be the one, so I can be confident in that much. Uh, and I think Minnesota is already locked into the to the fourteen. But it's yeah. a complete whirlwind. But those games are huge because there's a lot of bubble teams. So you almost sometimes you want to have more games to play. Like maybe if you're Michigan. You want to have an easier game against maybe a Nebraska or a Penn State, which isn't easy nonetheless, but uh, you want to have one of those games early so that you can get a good win to move up the bubble before you play maybe a Maryland or an Illinois or an Indiana that are probably one of the better half of the teams in the Big Ten. Um, yeah. But it's I think the four teams get to buy the top four seeds. You do want one of those because you obviously want to be able to win the tournament, but it's a complete nightmare. Not a nightmare, but at times it's a nightmare. It's, it's, it's all over the place.
It is really important because the top four seeds, like Ryan mentioned, a double buy. But if you're not one of the top four seeds and you need to add to your tournament resume because you are on the bubble, bubble, excuse me, hello, Michigan, hello, Wisconsin, hello, Penn State, then having those opportunities to stack up quad one, quad two wins, even in a conference tournament, vitally important. Michigan could have had a quadrant one victory last night on the road in Champaign. But Matthew Meyer, Terrence Shannon Jr., the two transfers on senior night inside the State Farm Center combined for 17 of Illinois' 21 points in the two extra sessions as Illinois gets the victory. So that's the high major level, Ryan Hammer. Let's go back to the mid-majors. Arch Madness this weekend in St. Louis, the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. Currently, Ryan, Drake is a slight favorite to win the entire tournament title, plus 170, but just 30 cents ahead of Bradley, who got underway in the conference tournament yesterday with a very impressive victory. How do you evaluate the Missouri Valley entering Arch Madness in the finals we will see this weekend? Bradley got the best of Drake in the end of the regular season they just played. Um, Drake, coming into the year, was one of those teams that you got that we all knew to watch out for. They're one of the oldest and most experienced teams in the entire country. They have Tucker DeVries, who is a go-to guy. He's a stud on both ends, really, especially on the offensive end. Uh, it's going to be one of those teams, those two teams that likely come out. I do think Indiana State is a very, very good sleeper. They had a huge win last night. They scored 90-some-odd points. They won by a buck ton. Uh, they have four double-digit scorers that, that's combined for almost 50, 50 to 60 points. They're a really, really high-powered offense that can keep up with Drake. Uh, Bradley's got a really good defense. They go deep into the bench. But my money's on Drake here simply because of that experience. And when it comes down to it in crunch time, I ride with the guys that have been there before and have the experience throughout and the, I guess, the elder age in this sense. But I, I think it's going to be a tough one. If it is Drake and Bradley in the finals, it's going to be an awesome game again. Both of these teams can make some noise in March. They'll probably be a 12 or 13 yeah. seed if they get in either way. So. The great thing about this time of year, too, Ryan, is we have conference tournament action in the afternoon, even on a Friday. That goes for Bradley in Arch Madness. They're a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite against Northern Iowa. Later tonight in St. Louis, Drake, a double-digit favorite against Murray State. Back to the regular season finale weekend in the high major level. All eyes, Ryan, tomorrow night will be on Chapel Hill, North Carolina in the Tobacco Road rivalry between Duke and and UNC it feels like a game that UNC must have Ryan Hammer to solidify their NCAA tournament resume no line out as of yet but here are the odds for North Carolina and Duke to win a national championship or maybe at least reach the final four yes those final four odds you see there on your screen so Ryan the question to you is this tomorrow night at home on senior night Inside the Deem Dome, is it a must-win game for North Carolina's NCAA tournament hopes? I'd say as must-win as you can get. Um, there's a way in without it because of their ranking and some metrics are decent enough at least. They had the quad one win against Virginia, which was massive. It was a good right. quad one win game. I think they're one and eight now in Q1 games. Uh, this is one they need. Like Realistically, if they don't win this, they're back on the outside looking in, which they still might be already. Um, but they're not going to get any leeway if they don't win this game. And they don't have great games guaranteed in the ACC tournament because the bottom half of the ACC is not good, and those games aren't going to help you at all if you go beat a BC, even a Virginia Tech that's like somewhere up there, Wake Forest. You're going to have to beat NC State. you got to beat Duke. You have to beat these teams when you have the opportunity. They took it against Virginia. They have to do it. They have no choice. They had this situation last year coming in where they had no quad one win games. 
going into the game against Duke at Duke, and they won that game. It was massive and propelled their run to the Final Four. I don't think they're ranking the Final Four this year. Um, they got to worry about getting in the tournament, but this is basically a must-win game, yeah. Those ACC tournament odds could be huge for both North Carolina and maybe even Duke improving improving its seeding line. The Blue Devils, 5-1 to one to win the ACC tournament title, the third best price. UNC, 6-1, to one, the fourth best number. For all the ACC marbles tomorrow evening as well in Coral Gables as Miami hosts Pittsburgh. There are three teams right now, Ryan, with a 14-5 ACC record entering this final weekend. Pitt, Miami, and Virginia, but both Miami and Pittsburgh did beat Virginia earlier in this ACC campaign. What's the key matchup in your mind, Ryan, between Miami and Pittsburgh tomorrow night? If you're Pitt, you got to be able to. It's it's tough to stop Miami. The offensive power, the guards, Nigel Pack, Isaiah Wong, like Norchad Amir, they run the floor and they go. It's really tough to stop them. You can try, but I think keeping up with them is is the better better way. And Pitt does have three four guys that they can go to to kind of do that. Um, I think Pitt is in a point where they need a quality win to like solidify themselves in the tournament, even though they are up top of the, the ACC. They don't have a great strength of record, strength of schedule. They don't rank high in the net and, and Kempon very well. But they're going to be in the tournament. But to get out of that 8, 9, 10, 11 range, which you really don't want to be to play a, two, a one or two seed in the second round, they are going to have right. to beat a team like Miami or win the ACC tournament to prove that they're worth a 5, 6, or 7. Uh, Miami is looking good right now after beating they've been on a, a streak they're like 23 and 5 overall I think 24 and 5 uh, they did lose to FSU but they're going to be fine and they're really fun to watch they we know that they did this in last year in March they went to the Elite Eight I think they can definitely get back to that if not better this year they have the guard play to do so led by Isaiah Wong and Miami has had a full week off since that upset lost to Florida State last weekend all right Ryan two teams in the Big East two perennial powerhouses in all of college basketball UConn and Villanova face off to end the regular season tomorrow night as well and both trending in a very positive direction only 30 seconds left here but for the Big East tournament next week at Madison Square Garden what are you most looking forward to Villanova's got to do some damage they can get in the tournament if they can streak towards the Big East maybe these semis probably the finals they can get an at-large. It's possible. I want to see them in it. They'd be terribly dangerous to play in round one if they got in, too. We've seen Madness at the Mecca in the Big East tournament many times before. Ryan Hammer, we appreciate all of your expertise on this Friday, entering a huge weekend in college basketball. More of the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out hour number one of the morning after live right here on this first Friday in March. Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that is Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. We are about to embark on the final weekend of the regular season at the high major level in college basketball. Blue Bloods across the sport in dire need of big marquee victories to make their way into the NCAA tournament field or at least bolster that NCAA tournament resume tomorrow night in the big east it's villanova and yukon 
It is Texas and Kansas battling for seeding position in the NCAA tournament as KU has already wrapped up that Big 12 regular season championship. There are seven games left in Big 10 men's basketball in the regular season. Just seven. Seven games, one apiece for all 14 teams across the conference. And there are 128 scenarios for what the seeding will look like in the Big 10 tournament next week in Chicago. And tomorrow night, all eyes will be focused down Tobacco Road in Chapel Hill for a matchup between Duke and North Carolina. It is a game that feels like it is must-win territory for UNC, needing to add another quality win and a marquee victory at home on senior night to strengthen that NCAA tournament resume. So will the Heels get into the big dance? That was the question. Fade the public. At SportsGrid TV on Twitter, will North Carolina make the NCAA tournament? The public really feels like the Tar Heels are on the bubble. The no receiving more of the votes around 53.5%. This feels like a game North Carolina needs to beat Duke. They will be a slight home favorite, although the line is not out yet. Remember, it was last year on senior night. Coach K's final day game inside Cameron Indoor. North Carolina went to Durham and pulled off the upset. Duke remembers that pretty well. All to keep in mind for a huge weekend of college basketball and hour number two of the morning after up next. 